Welcome to episode 27 of the Analytics FC podcast. I'm Sam Gregory, joined as always by Tom Morville. And this week we have a special episode. For the very first time, we're doing an Analytics FC book review. So we have David Sumter on, who, as of today, uh, his book, Soccermatics, is released. So David, do you want to just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the book? Yeah, um, so I'm David Sumter, and I've written this book, Soccermatics. Um, I think maybe it's good to say a little bit about my background. So I'm a mathematician. I'm a professor of applied mathematics. And I've worked in lots and lots of different areas. I've researched mainly animal groups, how they move around together. And then I got to a stage in my career where I really wanted to communicate about my research. And I thought of various ways how to do it. And a big hobby of mine is football. So I thought it would be really nice if I could write a book about the maths of football, combining football together with my own research in biology and just explaining how maths and football and biology all work together. And so I've actually I've had a chance to read the book and I really enjoyed it. And uh, so I thought we'd get into some of the more some of the things that you talk about and just give a brief overview for people who are interested. So as you mentioned, it's sort of bringing together math and football, but there's also a lot of biology in the book. And I'm curious what do you think about these three subjects that sort of lent themselves to each other and why the intersection of these three topics in particular? Yeah, I should say a little bit about what's what's in the book. So really, I, I start from various parts of football. So I'll start with probability and goals. I'll start with passing um, networks. I'll start with betting or crowd behavior. And then I think, well, how do these relate to different things in biology? So when I look at randomness, I can look at chance in insurance and in deaths and so on. When I look at passing networks, I can relate that to transport networks we see in slime molds, for example, and human transport networks. When I look at um, when I look at the crowd behavior, I can, um, of course, relate that to other human behavior, how we decide to do things and how rumors spread and so on. So each time I make this relationship through mathematical models, I find a, a link between something in football and some other part of biology or sociology. And then I make that link together with, with football, with, with mathematics. So a lot of our listeners will be interested in the analytics and I'll come to it from the analytics side. But I think it's fair to say this is a much broader book looking at mathematics in all sorts of different areas of football. As you mentioned, there's stuff about crowds and how crowd reactions and chance get started and interesting things like that. So I'm curious how you decided to sort of break it down into more sort of actionable things for football club versus things that are more just general interest that can be modeled well or at least discussed in a, at a certain level with mathematics. Yeah, so I don't really think that I thought about it that there was analytics and there was other mathematics examples. So I really just thought, let's just take every possible aspect of football and see how we can model it. And so, yeah, I have this randomness of goals. I have the chanting. I have who's the best player in the world using statistics. I have a betting chapter because betting's a big part of football. Um, and then, yeah, I have the analytics chapters. And there I thought, well, how do you analyze a team and a team performance? How do you analyze shot statistics and so on? And so I just took what I would say is just the, the normal mathematical approach to these different areas. And it was kind of later, actually, once I'd started working on this and worked through it, I found actually 
for those that specific part for the for the passing networks and the shot statistics there was already this kind of gang of analytics people on twitter working on these things so that was actually something i found out pretty late um working on the book that there were approaches that were very similar to what i was doing if there were to ever be i mean i i don't want to put this on you given that you've just written a book but if there was to be a soccermatics 2.0 in the sequel do you think you'd focus more on the analytics side now that you've come to this or do you still think there's a lot to uncover just by looking at sort of the pure math side i think there is definitely a possibility of writing another book about the analytics side i'm not sure that i'm going to i'm going to write that book myself i think um my aim in writing the book was really to communicate about how useful mathematics is in a in a wide wide range of situations i think i really wanted to take football and push it how can i how can i use maths to analyze football in different situations i think the part i mean i you know i love reading about the analytics stuff online and so on i think maybe that has a sort of narrower audience than i'm aiming for with a book i have a i'm aiming for a broad audience of people who are interested in football interested in maths a little bit want to understand more about how these things fit together so i think definitely yeah there's the scope for more of these things but i'm not sure that that will be a basis for a socomatics 2.0 so now talking about sort of what you've done with the book since then you presented at optopro which is actually how we met a couple months yeah. ago and i'm curious how that sort of connection went because you talk a lot in the book about uh, you have passing maps as you mentioned and you talk about connectivity between players and how different formations sort of have different connective patterns so i'm curious how that sort of went from moving that from the book and whatever you discuss in the book onto an actual presentation for people who work at clubs. Yeah, exactly. So while I'm not sure that I could write another another book with all of this stuff in, I do think there's a lot that, more that can be done. And so I wrote a lot of this stuff about the passing networks and how they work. And then I got into work, working on the 442 articles and using the StatZone data. And then through that, I got in contact with Opta and started talking to Opta quite a lot about, well, how can how can we actually use this at clubs? And there, I think there is a lot of scope for things to do. I think the, the stuff I did looking at Leicester passing length was really nice when it popped out that Leicester were passing the ball further during their successful attacks than any other team. Then I felt, yeah, actually, I've found something useful out here. There was other people who found similar things out, but you can find something useful by taking that type of approach. I've, I've More recently, I've been working on who's been hassing, passing who and networks to explain the passing of players throughout during dangerous attacks. And the sort of more detailed things you can go into that I think can be extremely useful at clubs. I mean, that, that's the sort of thing that you guys are trying to do too. Yeah, and one thing that I found really interesting about the book is that often in analytics, we talk a lot about individual players and we look at player numbers. But you focus, I think it's fair to say, a lot more on the team in general and how teams are structured. And one chapter that I found really interesting was when you talked about team togetherness and the idea that uh, the idea of superlinearity in teams and that the idea that they can become more than the sum of their parts. And this isn't really a statistical model or anything. This is just a pure maths model that you use to sort of describe how teams can come together and how these more um, 
I, I guess, qualitative things uh, lend value to a team structure. So I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about that and how you came to that sort of idea. Yeah, I think I think I kind of want to back up a little bit before I answer answer that question. I think the first thing you mentioned that a lot of the stuff I do in the book is about teams, and that's because my own research comes from looking at animal groups. So for a long time, I've been looking at bird flocks and fish schools and so on and trying to work out how they how they work together. So always when even when I was looking at Optidata, I'm always thinking about how the team works rather than how individuals work. That's that's always the focus of what I'm doing the passing network stuff and so on. It's always about how a team works instead of individual players. And often when we're working in mathematical biology, we we're interested in two questions. We're interested in, first of all, the mechanisms of how things work. And that's what the passing networks are all around. And then we're interested in what we call the functional questions. And that's how did something evolve through natural selection to work? And why is it in the interests of all the individuals to work together in a certain way? And so that, coming coming to your question now, that was what I looked at in the in that chapter on cooperation. How does the manager create a structure where everyone want, wants to work together? And there, there's some really, really interesting conclusions. I think I have this example of um, Roy Keane or Steven Gerrard, these sorts of characters who, who get the team going. And it's definitely true that if you can get the team going and lift them up to a new performance level, you can actually drop these these Roy Keane characters, they can drop their own performance once they've lifted up the team and the team performance will still lie at a higher level. Because when you have these nonlinear interactions in passing networks and so on, it's very easy to lift up to a higher performance level or to fall down to a higher performance level. So there's definitely something in this sort of team confidence idea. I was about to say... Um is this evidence of confidence as in like this whole analytics thing of does confidence exist and therefore your this sort of chapter displays that so is that you know does that really i mean bobby gardner did some work recently about sort of confidence and finishing rates is this sort of um dispelling that myth and saying it's definitely true or is it uh, is it less groundbreaking than that um i mean I, well, so do I think, yeah, of course I think confidence exists. I mean, I think I think um, the individual finishing part of it related to expected goals, that's, that's more difficult to quantify. I'm not sure that that's around. But team confidence, that I'm really convinced must exist. It happens in all sorts of different situations away from the groups work together and become more confident and engaged in what they're doing. They lift themselves up to a new level where they they achieve this super teamwork and then suddenly it can all collapse and they're back down at a lower level. I think that is definitely going to play a part in in a football match that you can. Yeah, I mean, we see it. We see it all the time with teams coming back from being three nil down to drawing or winning or going to the next round. I mean, that's something that's something we see all the time in football. And I think confidence is a large part of explaining that. Whether you can predict when something like that's going to happen, you know, um, well, whether you can, yeah, whether you can predict something's going to happen in that in a particular match is much, much 
are less likely. I don't think you can do that, but you can certainly explain after the fact how confidence works within a team. And do you like? How do you go about measuring that? Is that something that you see oh, okay. from say? <laughs> yeah, that I mean. Yeah, no. That, uh, okay, so whoa, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about it. I, I suppose right. What I argue in the book is this: that because of the way that football works, because the team is more than the sum of the parts, which is pretty much an established fact. What, your your team works. Your team falls apart if you're weakest if you have a weakest link and so on. Yep. So the team is more than the sum of the parts. Because the team is more than the sum of the parts, this means that lifting the confidence of the whole team will produce this superlinear um, performance. So, so that that's an established fact. What is difficult is identifying a team with from watching when we're sitting there watching TV. What's difficult to, to do is identify when a team has low confidence and high confidence. But I'm sure a manager can do it. I mean, I'm sure a manager knows when their team morale is down and when their team morale is up. And they should also think about who's the key players to lift the confidence of the team. So I think looking from the outside, I don't think we can do anything like that. But I'm sure a good manager who's working in their job can do it. And I'm sure they do it all the time. I suppose... One thing that makes me reluctant to talk too much about this is is nearly everything you see on TV commentary is about like team confidence or the confidence of particular players. And I think it's nearly always just bullshit. I mean, the, the point is, it's within the team that you'll know when this is true or, or, or when it's working out or not. Yeah. I think that sort of fits into one of the broader themes of the book, which is the idea that the players themselves and the coaches and whoever's involved in a football match don't necessarily need to understand and don't understand a lot of the math that goes on behind the game. And you have a great chapter on um, Zlatan's goal against England when he scored that ridiculous bicycle kick and looking at the angle he had to play it at, the speed he had to play it at in order for it to actually uh, go in. And I'm curious what you think about the idea of of how much players, A, should be sort of thinking about these sort of things and how much math can actually help them? Or do you think it's just sort of something that is going to happen on its own and that this is a good way for us to think about it, but these players or these managers are much better at their jobs than we ever could be? Yeah, that's um, that's a really good question. I think I see it... So there's two parts to the answer to this question. And the first one is that... It's exactly as you say, when you think about Zlatan's goal, and he's not doing the calculation for working out the angles and the spin on the ball and so on. He's just doing what's totally natural to him. And it's exactly the same when I describe how Messi plays in Barcelona and the passing networks there. They have just done hours and hours and hours on the training pitch thinking about, not well, not even thinking about triangles, just passing in triangles. They just train and uh, train and train and train. And then... They get it. Uh, they get it right. So it all comes naturally to them. So they haven't thought of the maths. I'm describing the maths that, that's going on there, but they haven't thought of it themselves. So in in that point, you're absolutely right. But to the second thing, should you tell the players about this type of stuff and try and talk to them about it? I think absolutely yes. So I mean, I train a team of ten year olds, and I tell them about this. I draw passing networks for them and show show them the passing networks. 
when they yeah i mean like when they were seven i was talking to them about triangles and so on you should absolutely talk to them about um about these types of aspects of the game and i think it's very useful to them and i think if you talk in the right yeah i, I don't think uh, there's studies which show that football players have above average intelligence so there isn't any reason not to talk to them about these things because they're not smart enough or so on i think absolutely you should talk to them about them now uh, you mentioned how players often don't need to understand how they how these things work but in the last three chapters you go over some betting techniques that you used and how they did and i don't want to don't want to spoil some of how the results on that but i'm curious have you kept betting since the end of the book yeah um i did until a few weeks ago um i haven't i haven't kept it up on the regular basis that i did during the book um oh you think you think i shouldn't spoil what happens in my own betting exploits i mean well, it's, um, it's the last chapter i don't know it's up to you <laughs> <laughs> no well i normally say i mean i did i did win i did win a bit of money when i was when i did my my betting thing or at least one of the strategies i looked at won a bit of money and i've been pretty much level since that i haven't uh, improved my my income i mean i think the I think for me, the big point comes at the end of that chapter about the betting. And I know there's a few professional bookmakers out there, but I think if you have the skills to do the type of thing I did in that book, then there are so many other jobs that can be interesting to do other than being a professional bookmaker. Uh, um, sorry, a professional better. Instead, you should be a bookmaker or you should go and work in the city or you should do football analysis and so on. So it it um it, uh, yeah I, I i do i've done it a little bit for fun but actually i find it a little bit too time consuming and i don't make sufficient amounts of money from it to make it to make it worthwhile fair enough and um one thing i sort of this is a big sort of open-ended question but one of the things that's people are talking a bit about in the analytics community although we've yet to really see anything done at least publicly outside of huddle um, is tracking data, which you use a couple times in your book. One part, one time where you just hooked up a GPS to your, uh, your son and his friend and used flowcharts, which having done plenty of differential equations classes, I found quite interesting. <laughs> but uh, uh, the other thing you do is look at a Nuremberg re Reserve match, and I think yeah. it's an eight-on-eight -eight training match. And I'm curious, first off, what you think tracking is useful for and what you think the future of tracking data is going forward. Yeah, so... I mean, I make this point in the book that we're studying animals and there is no real great interest in society in the movement of animals. Yet we're so much far, further ahead in the analysis of, of animal movement and animal groups than we are in football players. And this is like comparing a sort of hobby type research thing with a multi-billion dollar industry. And they're so much further behind, really, in trying to use this data and exploit it. So I think there's there's so much that can be done there. The problem is it's also a lot of work. Um, I, we get little way in the book, and then I talk a lot about what Paul Power has done because his work is is really leading in this. There's no one that's doing anything up to that that level. But there is just so much more that can be done. We can look at where players can see their, um, we can look at the decisions they're making. We can look at how well defenders are moving in synchronization 
there is just endless possibilities for that. It was a second part of your question, but now I forgot that, or a third part. I was just curious uh, how what you thought or how you thought it would be useful to use at clubs, or do you think it's still we're too far behind? We're too far behind on the stuff. Yeah, just the so event that, that's yeah, that's really good. So my position on that is that no, I mean it's not like immediately applicable in a club. What actually needs to be done is some sort of basic research about the movement of teams. So together, it, it needs to be done sort of, before it can be actually useful in clubs, there needs to be basic research time together, the strategies that different teams are using with the collective motion data and somehow integrating those things together. So you need to kind of have a basic understanding of the movement of football before you can start to apply it in clubs. And I think that's what's a shame with the clubs not releasing this data or making it more openly available is that I don't exactly know what they're worried about, but just now there isn't the sufficient technology to use it. So that technology needs to be developed first. And then once we have that basic understanding, then we can start to see if we can make particular clubs better and so on. So until the data is more widely available and researchers are looking at it, I don't think we can say that clubs can make use of it. I bet these clubs, they've just got like loads of this data and they just oh we've got this brilliant data we're going to keep this and and then they're not making any use of it at all i don't think any of the clubs are making from from talking to the contacts i've had with clubs they're not making any useful use of this data whatsoever so they really needs to be openly available and then some research will be done and then it might be applicable uh, applicable in clubs i think that's a good place to wrap it up unless there's anything else you'd like to uh to plug or mention about the book before we head out? Yeah, I felt I, I, I failed to make a um, <laughs> make an introduction to the book at the start. I got uh, uh, I got a bit sidetracked. I mean, I, I do I do want to say some kind of overall point about um, about the book. I'm not sure I I got that over at the start, but there is I think something for every, everyone in the book. There's all of this different biology, there's all of this different sociology, there's all of these different aspects of football. And I try to show how mathematics, using mathematical analogies, we can tie all these different parts of the world together in a really nice way. So the book's all about how to use mathematics and how we do use mathematics in lots of different ways. And uh, if any of our listeners want to get the book, first of all, it will be out today. And secondly, we have a couple copies to give away. So we have a, we're going to run a contest. Unfortunately, it's only for UK listeners. But uh, we've decided we have our own Analytics FC uh, expected goals model. And so we thought it would be fun to guess Riyad Mahrez has just been announced Premier League Player of the Year. So if you can guess expected goals total is today on May the 5th. And the uh, three closest guesses will win a copy of the book. So... Again, that's Riyad Mahrez's expected goals total for this season. And uh, you can send your guesses either to our DMs at, at AnalyticsFC or uh, to our email, which is AnalyticsFCPodcast at gmail.com. Am I allowed to guess? <laughs> you can give your guess afterwards. <laughs> I'll so give I, my guess afterwards. <laughs> you have, uh, there's a chapter in the book on the wisdom of the crowds, and uh, I decided not to make the guesses public until afterwards. And I won't, won't name names, but we'll do a little thing to see what the range is afterwards and we'll uh 
we'll give the data on how people guessed Riyad Mahrez's expected goals numbers were at the end of the at the end of the seasons or not the end of the season. Sorry, it'll be May fifth when this is released. So um, yeah, send in your guesses and. Tom, you're not allowed to enter either, but I have your copy of the book sitting right beside me right now, so I'll get that to you soon. <laughs> I'm already modeling using for expected goals. I, I think ours matches up pretty well with most of the other ones, so there shouldn't be too many surprises. We're going to use the Richard Keyes and Andy Gray definition of expected goals, which is <laughs> how many times you expect a goal when Riyad Mahrez plays. Okay, well... Thanks for coming on, David. It was really nice having you on. And as I said earlier, I really enjoyed the book. So thank you very much. Okay. No, well, thank you for, for reading it. And thanks for um, doing the giveaway as well. That's, that's great.